Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. You know, I've been accused of having favorites in the Chicago City Council. I go, Ben, little Jeanette Taylor is one of your favorites. Ben, <laughs> Byron Cecil Lopez is one of your favorites. Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Yeah, well, right up there with all the rest of them. Alderwoman from the 33rd Ward. Dennis is Alderwoman, so you better sit up straight, Dennis, and act. <laughs> Act proper or she won't collect your garbage. Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez from the 33rd Ward. Welcome back to the show, Thank Rosanna. you for having me. So happy to see you both. Uh, everybody knows I got a love for lefties. And I was just talking about this before you came on the show. I don't think Mayor Lightfoot uh, shares my love for lefties. Uh, in fact, I go so far as she has a certain amount of disdain uh, for lefties that she can barely contain from time to time. Uh, and that leads to me to a discussion of what went down yesterday. We'll, let, we'll, we'll start with that, uh, Rosanna, and then we'll move on to uh, some of the citywide issues having to do with funding and policing, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, all right. You were giving uh, a, some remarks at the city council meeting, a virtual city council meeting. And I happened to, f I really appreciated your remarks. Uh, you were talking about, well, let me allow you to explain what you were saying uh, when Lori Lightfoot, right before you finished and you cut to, went back to Lori Lightfoot and she said, she dropped the F-bomb. You got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, so go ahead. Talk about what you were saying, Rosanna. Um, so there was a resolution on the floor um, to honor Black History Month and you know, my colleagues were giving remarks. It was my turn. And I, I, I thought that it was really important to talk about anti-blackness in the Latino community. Um, and, you know, I was speaking about the Latino community, but I, I was talking also specifically about the Puerto Rican culture and community because um, we are Caribbean. Our history is absolutely tied to slavery. Our, that, those are our roots, right? And, and it was really important to me to, to talk about the importance and the work that we still need to do in order to, um, to combat anti-blackness and racism in our communities and embrace our uh, black heritage, right? And our black roots. And, um, and I, I, I also talked about the, the rage and the exhaustion and sending love and solidarity to black people in, 
in the United States everywhere that are experiencing that exhaustion of existing while being black, doing anything while being black in the United States. It's exhausting, right? And we can see it. So I, th- that, that was like the core of my remarks. And then I, I talked about our responsibility to make in Chicago a, a better place for all that. The last thing that you can hear in the, the video that has been circulating is, making this city a better place for all that's the last thing that's the last sentence and uh, and i actually did not hear what the mayor said i i didn't hear it but a bunch of my colleagues started texting me frantically <laughs> saying did you hear that did you hear that and i i did not know until i saw the tweet um with the with the video well, what the mayor said was, uh, and I've watched it now like three times. So as soon as uh, uh, the old woman, uh, Rodriguez Sanchez, is finished, has concluded her remarks, they cut to the mayor and uh, she says, uh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And my first reaction, Rosanna, when I watched it was that it was um, a cynical comment on what you had just said. Because what you were talking about, it, it, it kind of it's it, it, it's like you were you were really telling people uh, you were calling for solidarity. You were like preaching love. It was like a Stevie Wonder song, you know. And uh, I love Stevie Wonder songs. I'm a huge Stevie Wonder fan. But it's so idealistic. You know what I'm saying? And what you were saying was so true. It's like you're. Puerto Rican heritage is, is infused with influences from Africa. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I thought it was a really beautiful remarks that you were making, uh, and but it's so out of the ordinary for Chicago. You know what I mean, Rosanna? Like everything is, uh, everything in Chicago is so cynical and so yeah. hard driven and, you know, fuck you, man, you know, I'm on top. <laughs> and, uh, and so it sounded like she was like rolling her eyes going, oh my God, why don't you just play a Stevie Wonder song or the Beatles or something like that? That was my reaction. Uh, but maybe I was so wrong. I, I think, so I, I talk to Carlos a lot and Carlos is, is one of my persons in city council. I mean, I, all of the socialists, I talk a lot with them. We we consult each other for everything. Uh, but Carlos is, is the closest person to me because we're in neighboring wards. And uh, and I called him, you know, and I asked him what he thought. Um, and he didn't think that she was talking about me. And I I, I, I looked at the video several times, too, because, because I got worried, actually. I was like, did I say something that could be misunderstood, right? Did I say something that, that maybe did not come out as I intended it? Um but I, but I, but I didn't. So I decided because there's no way that I can know what the mayor was responding to. I decided not to, um, not to try to figure it out. She reached out and she texted me and she said, um, that, that, that her reaction was not to what I said, but she has like people, um, in the room with her while the meeting is going and somebody said something and she reacted to what her staff said. And I left it there. Um, she sent me a text clarifying, right? And I think the, the one thing that I'm going to say is that in that particular situation, when something started spreading like fire uh, through social media, I think it is in good 
um, it's a good practice to offer an apology, even if you even even if you know that you didn't do it on purpose. It is what is being perceived, right? So an apology is something that um, just demonstrates that you care about how you're perceived and how your your behavior is perceived. And um, I didn't get that from the mayor <laughs> at all. Uh, I got a clarification, right? Like this is this is what happened, and that's that. Um, so that sort of brings me to a reflection about where we're at right now and the missed opportunities that we have in city council around being able to actually enact the progressive agenda because Mayor Lightfoot came in as a progressive and she has some of the most progressive people that have ever been elected to city council ever. We could do incredible things. We could be driving agendas inside of the Progressive Caucus to do amazing things. But we're not doing that. And the person that is blocking it is her. (laughs) So um, the the fact that it is impossible for her to be able to empathize and and develop relationships of respect um, with her colleagues is... It, it makes me really sad, actually. I, I feel like we could be doing so much better right now. Well, let me just uh, take a moment to uh, draw a distinction between a clarification and an apology. A clarification oh. almost makes it seem like the other person is at fault. Like, you misunderstood <laughs> me. You know, I'm clarifying what I said because you misunderstood <laughs> me. So it's like, my fault? <laughs> I, I, I gave this heartfelt speech about... <laughs> Black History Month and the need for Puerto Ricans to really reflect on the things they have in common with African Americans in this country, and it's my fault. Yes, Rosanna, it's your fault. That's a clarification. That that feels that I feel very familiar. With, <laughs> that feels like a very familiar um, cycle. There's a lot of gaslighting that has happened. Um, and you know, I, I'm going to say this, I, I have never said this publicly, but I think it's, it's an important conversation to be having. I am the only, um, Latina in city council right now that actually speaks up. There's two of us, there's Silvana Tavares and there's me, but see, I never hear Silvana Tavares speaking, um, in city council and she doesn't speak often. Right. And, um, for better, or for worse, I, but I think that there's plenty of things to be talking about in this city right now and and a lot of work to be done in terms of pushing. So I feel a lot of times I feel really alone, right? As a a Latina woman in city council. And a lot of times I am treated, uh, you know, in a very disrespectful way. And uh, the first time that I met the mayor and the first time that I had a, a conversation with her alone, um, the mayor didn't know me. I, we've never talked before. And at the end of our conversation, she said, um, if you allow me to give you some some feedback, and I have only been in office for, I don't know, like two months. <laughs> and uh, and Mayor Lightfoot said, there is a perception that you do whatever Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa tells you to do. And uh, this is the first time that I'm meeting the mayor and and, and, uh, and as a woman of color, you should develop your your own voice in politics. You should have your own voice. 
And I, I didn't even know like how to respond to that. I, to have somebody that you just met in a position of power, such as the, the mayor's position telling you, I actually believe that you're a puppet. It, it was, and I, and I didn't fight with her or anything. I, 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 I looked at her and I said, well, thank you for that feedback. <laughs> thank you so much for, for your input. <laughs> um, and, and then she said, if you want to work on developing your own voice, I can help you. So it was, a, it was a, I don't want you to do what Carlos is telling you to do. I want to help shape your voice so that you say what I, so that you sound how I want you to sound, right? And I think that moment sort of um, defined in a lot of ways my relationship to the mayor. I was never mean to her after that. I didn't pick a fight with her. But now this has just become sort of a pattern where, like, she didn't feel like she owed me an apology for anything. She just, she never feels like she has to apologize to anybody for anything. And we are, we are her colleagues, you know, um, we, we are people that are working really hard within our wards and in the city to make sure that we are pushing for the, for the things that we've never had and that, and that we're just so desperate for, you know, and, um, I think that she just sees us as enemies. She sees us as allies of, you know, CTU and Stacey Davis Gates, which she's incredibly scared of. Um, so it, it is a really hard thing to be able to build relationships with the mayor, I would say. Well, you know, what's interesting, uh, by the way, that was quite a riff. I'd never heard of that story before, but I was just, when you, when you said it, where Mayor Lori Lightfoot offered you advice on how to have your more, uh, have your own voice, essentially what she was saying, I still want you to be a puppet, but I just want a different puppeteer. So instead of the evil Carlos controlling the strings. I've uh, never said that anywhere. I've never said it out loud, but at this point, it just feels to me that, Existing in city council in, in my position, I just don't, I, I think that these things just need to be said out loud and how people are actually operating, you know? Well, here, here's, uh, if I could broaden it beyond personalities, okay? okay. Broaden it beyond um, whether Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, really dislikes uh, Carlos uh, Ramirez Rosso or dislikes <laughs> Stacey Davis Gates or uh, JT, Jeanette Taylor. I do believe, and I said this already, I've said it many times, uh, Rosanna, I do believe that the mayor has a disdain for, I call them lefties. I don't know what else to call yeah. them. You know, just because progressive is such an enormous term now. It just includes everybody that's too embarrassed to call themselves a liberal. For some reason, they don't want to call themselves liberals anymore, so they call themselves progressive. All right, fine. So lefties, and it's just I remember when Michelle Harris was elevated to older woman Michelle Harris of the Eighth Ward was elevated to be Mayor Lori Lightfoot's floor leader, and she did an interview with the Chicago Sun Times, and I remember her saying the socialists. She referred to them as socialists, uh, meaning it was you, obviously uh, Carlos, um, and I don't know who else she was. Who else is a socialist in the city council? But uh, the socialists have to realize that their their proposals aren't going to pass. They're unrealistic. And I'm like, 
Well, I, I thought we were a progressive city, and I can't think of anything a, a socialist, no matter what you call them, is proposing that's so outrageous and so far from what most people in Chicago would want. Do you, you like, you know, some examples of that is the welcoming city ordinance minus the carvals that we just actually passed. And Carlos was leading that for a very long time. And the mayor had to stand next to Carlos and say that out loud. He has been the champion of that. Um, you know, you know what is outrageous? I am trying to get Indigenous People Day for Chicago and eliminate Columbus Day. Those are like the really outrageous things that these socialists want to do in city council. I'm pushing for treatment, not trauma, which is a, a, a crisis response model that would send social workers and clinicians and EMTs to deal with mental health emergencies instead of police. Oh my God, that's outrageous. How are these socialists thinking that we're going to be <laughs> passing those things? I... It, it is, it's sad, is what it is. And we're not giving up, of course. We're going to continue to push these agendas because this is where we think that the city should be um, should be going towards. But the fact that the mayor's floor leader is out there saying that we are somehow being unreasonable or something. We're the most reasonable people in, in city council. <laughs> I mean yeah, that. I, <laughs> I um... I thought it, I, I thought it reflected it's just sort of a general bias uh, against the left. Uh, and now that leads me to the next issue, which I uh, told you I was going to ask you about. There was a full page added today. Sometimes uh, dear Mayor Laura Lightfoot from like forget 70 or so or 60 or so uh, corporate leaders in the, sh the city of Chicago, very wealthy people in the city of Chicago, very powerful people in the business community, city of Chicago, corporate Chicago saying, letting everybody know that uh, they support Mayor Lori Lightfoot and they embrace her call for a more equitable uh, city, a fairer city. Uh, and, and, and I'm like, let me get this straight on the one hand, you're going around saying how it's unrealistic for the socialists to expect us to change our ways in the city of Chicago. Uh, and the other hand, corporate Chicago is rallying around the mayor for a more equitable distribution of funds. I definitely feel as though, uh, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, that the mayor wants to take your rhetoric the rhetoric of the left, but they want to strip anything like stipulations, consequences for not following it. Agree or disagree with me? Go ahead. No, I totally agree. But I think that that is, that is at the core of what the leadership of the Democratic Party has been doing. And what the Democratic Party has been doing in general for a very long time, right? Co-opting movement, co-opting language, um, you know, equity. Oh my God, equity. Equity is the word of the day, every day. But what does that actually mean, you know, when you are not willing to hold your police force accountable? What, what does it mean when you say that you want an equitable city and you want black and brown people, you want to prioritize the lives of black and brown people and then during the summer you throw the police to, to like the, the report from the inspector general is damning. The Anjanette Taylor, like the Anjanette um, Young case, I, I, I don't know how... 
I, I feel like it is cognitive dissonance. This is what I, and, and, and I don't know if, if this is the right way to frame it, but I feel like it is, they're talking about equity and they're talking about a city that, that takes care of black and brown people and minorities, but in practice, what they're doing is the opposite, right? Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you in that point. And the other thing is that then it is out there who is, who is Mayor Lightfoot's base, right? And, and then, and then it, and then you see why we are on opposite sides completely because my colleagues and I don't take money from big corporations. We don't take money from developers. We are all grassroots candidates that were elected by movement. Um, and that's the reason why we're in these seats because we are committed to fighting for the many. Um, uh, a press release or a letter from a bunch of rich people saying that there we knew that already. <laughs> we knew that you were. <laughs> so I, I'm not surprised. Somebody on Twitter said, um, call, call the mayor, Mac, Mac mayor, Mac mayor life today. And I kind of laugh about that a little. <laughs> She just sort of laughed, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. It was just a little joke. Come on, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You can apologize, all right? You can apologize. Come on. Clarification's not going to do it. Oh, now she's really not going to apologize. Yeah, now, now. After this, are you kidding? Double down. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little about uh, one of the issues. I just wrote about it, the $281.5 million mm-hmm. uh, that Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, administration uh, in COVID money, it's COVID relief money from the federal government, and they ended up spending it on the police department. Uh, I had, I got a big, I had a big smile uh, on my face. Actually, guys, hang tight. Sorry, sorry. Uh, we're getting a phone call during the show right now, people. Uh, you know, so uh, I don't know how to answer the phone when when we're live. So. <laughs> it's a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I apologize. All right, I think we're good now. Okay. Okay. Uh, Two hundred eighty-one and a half million dollars uh, went to the police department. It was came from the federal government for COVID relief. Uh, I, I was had a smile on my face, uh, Rosanna, because Ed Burke of all people, Alderman Ed Burke, was raising questions about it. I wrote about that. Uh, the yeah. tricks that mayors play with the budget uh, as they move money around—that's money for one thing gets ended up spending on another thing. Um, but what was your take on all this? Uh, what, what's your uh, reaction to the news that $281.5 million was spent on the police that came from the feds? Go ahead. I mean, we're, we're enraged. I am enraged to know that all of that money went to, went to police. First, because we voted against the emergency powers ordinance, and we really tried to fight hard so that we could have more power over how that money was going to be spent. We didn't win because we know how the city council works. We were close, though. We got, I think we got like 21 or 22 votes, which is which is significant. Um, then we vote against that spending bill because we knew <laughs> uh, what was going to happen. We had already asked the questions about our, what are you planning to use that money on? And they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. So, you know, when they report and we see that they are using money to provide security to like hospitals or wellness checks. Why is the police doing wellness checks during COVID? What are these? <laughs> How is that COVID expense? How sending a cop? <laughs> Why? I, I, I asked that question actually in the last uh, budget committee and I got 
shut down by uh, Chairman Dowell, um, I, I was not allowed to continue with my, my line of questioning. I asked for a definition of what a wellness check was during COVID and why were we spending millions of dollars sending police to do wellness checks during COVID? Um, but I, I was not allowed to continue asking questions after I asked that. They couldn't give me a definition either. The budget director didn't know what to tell me. She said, that's a very good question. I don't know. We can get you that through the chair. Um, so it seems to me that they don't. there is very little clarity on what is it exactly that we're paying the police for? What is it that the police was doing that was more important than all of the rest of the things, like the rental assistance when people are facing evictions, right? Or just keep, keeping people healthy, keeping people protected. Uh, bread lines are going around the corners and we can't provide for people but we're paying police. Why is police always the most important thing that we have to pay for? And how is it that in a pandemic, we are not making the investments in the places that we have to be making? I, it just, it, it is, it is enraging, Ben. Like that is my reaction. I was enraged, and you know, for this new spending bill, um, we we talked about. Um, about there's a really good deal in terms of, of rental assistance for people. So the housing portion of the spending bill is good, but then there's about a hundred million dollars that is not clear what it can be used. So it's pretty flexible. Right. And we were really concerned that that money then could again be used for policing. So, but we, but we know that people are hurting and we wanted to be able to pass at least the rental, uh, at least the housing portion of it. So in yesterday's meeting, the socialists at least were, were set up to vote yes. And we wrote a letter to mayor Lightfoot and the budget director to express our concern and let them know we do not want this money to go to police and we want to keep a close eye on that. But, you know, these are very difficult decisions to, to make when you're when you're trying to, to craft policy. You, you want to be able to take the good, um, but now we also know what it has mean to give them the, you know, the possibility of just using the money however they see fit. Well, that's <laughs> an old... That's an old trick, uh, as I was saying, uh, Rosanna in Chicago politics with budgets and mayors and their budget. Uh, you know, as I said yesterday, it was explained to me once many years ago by a Mayor Daly, one of his budget directors, is that you just got to think of it as a giant pot of money. And the mayor controls it all. And uh, in the, it was in those days it was a he, Mayor Daly, but now she. She's like, if she has to spend the money that's supposed to go for COVID relief on police because she's got that in her budget, she's going to do that. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot's reaction uh, when uh, people started criticizing for her was to say it's dumb. She said it was a dumb. Uh, mm -hmm. criticism to make, which kind of gets back to her, what we were talking about earlier, her <laughs> uh, inability to uh, take criticism. But um, I don't think it's dumb to raise this question. Uh, if she wants to defend it, you know, if she has a defense for it, which is essentially her defense is this, and I get your reaction to it. We, if I don't spend this money, on the police, I'm going to have to raise your property taxes to spend uh, to pay this budget. So, what's it going to be, uh, Alderwoman uh, Rodriguez Sanchez? Is it going to be you want a property tax hike 
or do are you willing just to look the other way while I take this federal COVID relief money and spend it on police? What's your response <laughs> to that question? Um, I think that the COVID relief money has to go to COVID relief and the police does not provide relief from COVID. <laughs> Um, the other thing is that at this particular moment, people are demanding that there is reallocation of funding from the police to other things that are way more effective in terms of keeping people safe and protected. And she has also refused to do that. We want to just keep throwing money at police, even when we know that it has not been effective to keep people safe, to prevent shootings. To, to, so... I think that she has not taken seriously um, the demand of spending way less money on policing. I was thinking the other day, we have 13, we have over 13,000 police officers in the city of Chicago right now. And we have less than 500 employees in the, in the Chicago health department. Um, (laughs) When you think about that and then a pandemic comes, that's what's going to happen. You are going to have police taking care of things they should not be taking care of in the middle of a pandemic while people are starving, while people cannot pay their rent and are facing evictions, uh, where people are homeless. Um, so COVID relief money should be to deal with COVID relief. Other cities are doing incredible things with that money. Housing the homeless because they are at so much risk when a pandemic comes. They don't have they don't have the facilities to be able to to be hygienic and and take care of themselves. In this polar vortex, people were freezing out there. There was a, a mutual aid fund created to go and get people and put them in hotels. I did that work. I went to try to get people in of hotel rooms we open our offices as warming centers because there was not enough that the city was doing so that at the end of the day is people paying the tax anyways because they have to be contributing to funds in order to be able to keep people safe so you're telling people <laughs> it's, this is a lot yeah. um yeah all right we'll close with this uh probably could do a whole show on this. And I will, by the way, uh, uh, Maya Dumas, if I will have, we're going to have another first Tuesday in April. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, GAPA and CPAC and the uh, negotiations over civilian oversight board with Chicago police office uh, over the Chicago police department. This is an issue that's been around uh, for as long as I've lived in the city of Chicago. Uh, Roseanne, I've lived here since 1981 and it preceded that. It's like, it's just, this is just always something that's here. Um, Yes. So somehow or other, neither one of the ordinances that these two groups have produced are are good enough for the Lightfoot administration. So now we're waiting for her to come up with her own ordinances. Do I have it correct as to where we are right now with this? Go ahead. So as we speak, GAP and CPEC are actually meeting and they're trying to um, come to an agreement of a joint ordinance right a new ordinance that would that that they that both group would agree on um we were supposed to have a hearing on CPEC and GAPA um before this last city council meeting and it had been scheduled and uh chairman Chris Taliaferro canceled the meeting at the last minute 
uh, at the request of the mayor because she wants to introduce her own thing. And, uh, and this is one of these gigantic issues in city council, right? How committee chairmen uh, just do whatever the mayor wants and dismiss all the work and all the energy that is spent by colleagues, by communities, by grassroots groups um, in creating actual legislation for the city, right? That is transformative and that is going to have an impact. And um, I, I am really looking forward to the moment when we are able to change that um, because the culture of fear that there is in city council from the chairmen and chair people towards the mayor you are responsible for that committee and particularly for 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 chairmen that are part of the progressive caucus you are supposed to be a progressive force in the city you have a chairmanship you should be discussing this no excuses if the mayor wants to introduce something then let her introduce something but it is your responsibility to allow us to have the democratic process and have the discussion on the floor and you're not doing that out of what respect for the executive so where is the respect for the people who have spent years making sure that there are measures in place that can actually ref help with, with reforming the, the, the horrible police that we have in Chicago, like with CPEC and GAPA. And, you know, they, they are working together. They are really trying to get to an agreement. Um, and, and I really hope that we can hear that in committee very soon. Uh, but, but Talia Ferro has you know, cave to the mayor and apparently she has at least a month to introduce whatever it is that she wants to see. Um, so this, I really hope that this is not a lost opportunity, but I know that she's going to come with something a lot weaker and that's what we're likely, that's likely what we're going to end up voting on. Um, and again, that's very sad. Yeah. But we keep going. We keep going. <laughs> right. Don't don't give up. All right, Rosanna. Don't give up. Okay. Uh, you've been. Uh, let's see. How long you've been alderman now? Two years. Almost two years. Two it's years. been. It feels like twenty five. <laughs> Do you have any regrets for having done this? Oh my God! Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I. I. I this is very hard to do this as a grassroots candidate, to do this as a grassroots elected. Um, it is, it is really, really hard. And, um, I, I feel good that I have people in city council that I can lean on. I don't know how Carlos did this on his own for four years. I tell him, Almost every day, I feel like it's saying Carlos Ramirez <laughs> because I don't know how you navigate um, the dysfunctionality of city council um, on your own without support. Uh, but but I have a really incredible posse, you know, Byron, Jeanette, Daniel, Carlos. Uh, these people are incredible. And we also collaborate with other amazing people like Matt Martin, Maria, Andre. Like we all work together and um, that makes it a lot easier. But also the people at the grassroots level, the movements are with us. 
and we can lean and we can co-govern and that makes it all worth it. Um, so I, I don't regret it. I, I, it is hard and it is hard every day, but it, but you also learn a lot every day and it becomes a little bit easier to navigate. Um, I'm also really grateful for people in government that are helping guide us, you know, like I lean a lot on uh, the inspector general, for example, I, I ask a lot of questions all the time, you know, um, to make sure that we're getting um, the right information and, and that we have the tools to, to be able to move forward. So I don't regret it then. <laughs> All right. Very good. That's as good a spot as ever to uh, end the interview. A little bit on a high note. I was worried uh, that we were losing you. Let me just point out, uh, Rosanna defeated Deb Mel uh, and the Mel machine. So everybody in town talks about machines. You know, that's the, oh, I beat the machine. I'm against the machine. <laughs> it's funny. All these people that signed this letter to Mayor Lori Lightfoot, they were big time supporters of the machine. I just want to point that out. Maybe not literally the individual signatures, uh, but Corporate Chicago, big time supporter of the machine. Well, I'm talking to a woman here who beat the machine, the real machine. So um, keep the faith, Rosanna. Don't get down. It is tough. I can tell you that. Uh, but, um, you know, you're fighting a good fight. So thanks. We're going to win. We're going to win. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? We're For gonna once, we're going to win. <laughs> All right, that's a good spot to finish it. You take care, Rosanna. Stay safe and sound, all right? Thank you, Ben. Bye, Dennis. All right. All take right. care. That's the great Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez, Alderwoman of the 33rd Ward. My Alderwoman. That's your Alderwoman. That's correct. That's correct. Who knows? I may see her at Starbucks or something one day. I don't really go into Starbucks uh, anymore since the pandemic. Yeah, but. I don't think she does either. Probably uh, you might see her at that place on Lawrence. We're going to go there one day, get those chicken wings. Oh, since this pandemic's over. yeah. I got to remember the name of that place to plug them, but it's on Lawrence and Spalding. Fantastic chicken wings. But hey, that was cool. A little uh, a little side edition there of everyone's favorite Chicago uh, daily political soap opera, A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. Oh, Tony. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and uh, put a ca- we're going to put a cap on it right there. We're going to put a ca- yeah, you know, I want a cinnamon roll after today's show after hearing that. Uh, but we're going to put a cap on it right there. It was a great interview with Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. Uh, if you missed some of that, don't worry. We're going to throw that up and it'll be available by 7 p.m. tonight at chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download podcasts. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and so much more at that same website. All right. Send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com. And you can call us 708 658 4788. number again, 708 658 I think the voicemails, uh, it's finally starting to come along here. Let's keep the trend going, everybody. Reach out to The Ben Jarofsky Show with anything, anything you have. A question, a comment, a complaint, a funny character that uh, you want to do to see if it's funny or not. Hey, call us up, 708-658-4788. Tomorrow on The Ben Jarofsky Show, Matt again, 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 again. I can't keep track we're going to be talking about that and so much more everybody we hope you'll join us one until 3 p.m central time chicago reader youtube channel for all you downloaders all right join us live sometime check the show out one until 3 p.m central time or sometimes 2 45 
Chicago Reader uh, YouTube channel. Go check it out. Uh, the Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, thanks again, everybody. All right. Very good. I want to thank uh, Rosanna Rodriguez-Sanchez. Outstanding job all the way over the 33rd Ward. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all Illinois, without whom the show would be possible, is the one thing that Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderwoman uh, Rodriguez-Sanchez agree on is that back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take down the petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. Let's begin with phase one. You have to be a good neighbor. Don't believe me? You have to be a good neighbor. Don't believe me? B-Y-R-O-N? Don't believe me? We're currently looking at a situation where Representative Kodat, who was just recently appointed on Sunday and then resigned on Tuesday, just a couple days later, right, from being sworn in, is eligible by law for a full month salary, which is over $5,000, almost $6,000. That is just so wrong on so many levels, and I don't know any normal person who would be paid for a month's work if they've only been in office or in that position for a day or two. And that's where we're at right now, and that's what we're trying to end, and I, I feel that it's really unfair to taxpayers to continue in the status quo. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader: New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.